Hello, friends, and welcome to Season 2 of In With The Old. We are a podcast focused on dispelling myths, building appreciation for God's Word, and rediscovering the Old Testament for the life of faith. My name's Dr. Tim, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Brian. Dr. Brian, how are you doing today? Tim, I'm doing really well. I'm excited that we're now adding in this video component that we can actually see one another. It feels more like a real conversation. Uh, I'm excited to dig into series two because I think there's a lot of potential and I think there'll be a lot of value for our listeners and now watchers as well. Yes. And, and we're excited to see the, the program grow. We're excited to see people responding. And uh, if you haven't followed us on social media, you can do that, especially our Facebook page. We'd love it if you'd like that and follow us. Uh, but Dr. Brian, we're launching season two today with an introductory episode, kind of explaining what we're going to be doing over the course of season two. And uh, season two is, is focused on myths and mistakes in the Old Testament. Uh, some of the myths that people believe, some of the mistakes that people make as they read the Old Testament. And of course, what we're going to try and do is shed some light on that. So uh, Dr. Brian, why don't, why don't you just lay the groundwork for us here? What, what are some myths and mistakes that people make? And, and maybe even before we get there, why do you think the Old Testament attracts so many odd ideas? Why is it so prone to be misunderstood? Yeah, I think that's a good question because it does seem like the Old Testament gets more than its fair share of kind of problematic videos. I'm especially thinking of social media, for example, yes. uh, that you see like, here's a YouTube video being shared over here, or here's a blog post, and, and you dig into it and you go, this is just uh, nonsensical, or it's a weird, there's a hidden code over here, or a message <laughs> over here. Um, and, and by the way, to anyone that's connected with me on social media, I in no way am like upset at you when I see these things shared. I'm frustrated that there are people out there lying to you and, and kind of sharing these myths and mistakes. So when I see them, I start asking my question, well, where do all these things come from? Tim, I'm sure mm. as both an Old Testament scholar and a pastor, you probably have a bevy of errors in the Old Testament you've seen brought to your attention. And so as we were discussing the second season, we're like, you know what, let's, let's address some of these. Let's have a consistent place where we can bring a biblical perspective that's well-researched, well-argued, and hopefully dispel some of these myths for our listeners uh, and build them up in the faith so that they will not be as susceptible to these kind of erroneous teachings. Now, Tim, you asked me, why does the Old Testament uh, attract so many of these odd ideas? And I came up with, I think, three reasons why, but I'd love to hear you uh, you engage with and see if you have different reasons as well. The first reason why I think the Old Testament attracts its fair share of odd ideas and maybe more even than the New Testament is that Hebrew is a difficult language. And what I mean by difficult is that for especially an American uh, readership, American monoglots, we typically are not multilingual, and the languages we learn tend to use Latin scripts. So I'm thinking of Spanish, German, French, right? With a few exceptions, these are mostly the alphabets we're used to. Mm -hmm. Hebrew is a square script. It's a uh, right Semitic language. It shares very little in common with English. It shares very few roots. Like off the top of my head, I think of aura is about the only non like theological word that I can think of that's connected. Mm. I'm sure another one's going to come to me as soon as we turn off, but um, you have this script 
that when we see it, our brains, I think, sometimes don't fully engage. And we know how languages work, but we don't always bring our critical thinking to the table when we see Hebrew. Mm-hmm. As an example of this, something I often see is people say, hey, look, Hebrew operated as a pictorial language and a numerical language at the same time. And so you can pull this letter means this symbol and this letter also means this number and you can find hidden codes. Mm-hmm. If you do that to any language, if you did that to English, sentences would be nonsense. Linguistic communication wouldn't be possible at all. And of course, we know this. But when we see Hebrew, the script just looks so different. It looks so artistic. It's it's a beautiful script. Um, but because of that, I think we sometimes turn off our brain. And so the first reason why I think the Old Testament can attract odd ideas is Hebrew as a language. Uh, it's stylistically different. It reads maybe a little bit different. And so we can be tripped up there. What do you think about that, Tim? Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Brian. And, you know, for some of our listeners, no doubt some of you will have had some Hebrew training. But probably for most, most of you, probably if you saw Hebrew, it would be like chicken scratch, right? In the same way that if Brian or I saw a language that we couldn't read or didn't know the alphabet for, we wouldn't recognize it. And so I agree with you that the script looks very strange to our eyes. And, but also, I think it's just the idea that when, when people make claims about languages that we don't know, and in this case, Hebrew in particular, it's, it's difficult when we have no awareness of it or maybe very little awareness of it for us to be able to immediately have kind of that buzzer that goes off in our mind that says, now, wait a second, they're, they're making a very major claim uh, that, that – very likely isn't true. In, in other words, we're more susceptible in part, Brian, because of what you said, just in general, most of us don't know multiple languages. And and therefore, when someone makes a claim based on a language, we don't necessarily have the kind of nonsense meter that we should. And and here's why I think that that's such a, that's such a, a sad and, and kind of tragic reality is we don't need numerical codes for the Old Testament to, to be meaningful to us. You know, we don't have to have hidden meaning. The, the meaning of the text is right there, and the Holy Spirit enlivens our minds and our hearts to see it and understand it and apply it. And so to me, it's, it's really kind of tragic because implied in kind of those myths and that understanding is this idea that, oh, to get the true meaning or to get the real meaning or the, the real meat, you've got to have some kind of secret access. And, and you know, that's, that's kind of a Gnostic fallacy, right? I mean, this idea that only with secret knowledge can you truly unlock all that the Old Testament has to give. At which point I want to say to that, no, you don't have to have secret knowledge. And yes, of course, get all the knowledge you can. Uh, but but I, I totally agree with you that Hebrew itself kind of trips us up and we're not always able to identify error uh, because it, it seems kind of mystical to us. So I think that's a great point, Brian. And going off that, I would also encourage our listeners to think of the Bible as God's word, right? But that mm. means it's a revelation of his character. Mm. Is God a God who is cryptic and kind of mystical about he what he wants from us? Yes. And I would say... No, God is a God of truth. God is a God of clarity. And he has told us, uh, he has told you, oh man, what is good, as the prophet Micah says, right? It's not something that we have to kind of esoterically dig into the secret knowledge. Now, I am certainly not saying that all the Bible just instantly comes into our understanding and it's super easy. 
But I am saying there's not this kind of Gnostic, uh, to use Tim's word, that's a great word. Uh, there's not some sort of secret cabal of knowledge that we can be ushered into. Uh, and so uh, I just encourage all of our watchers and listeners, anytime you see any claim about language, Greek, Hebrew, anything related to the Bible, <laughs> just kind of make sure you've put on that linguistic filter, that theological filter. Um, and I think we'll catch some things pretty quickly there. Yeah. So if Hebrew as a script is maybe one reason why the Old Testament attracts some odd ideas, I think a second reason is because it sits at a kind of uncomfortable convergence point in our mind. Because, see, when we deal with the Old Testament, we're dealing with a religious text that we are aware of, consciously or subconsciously, does not fully belong to us as Christians. Mm. It is also the Hebrew Bible, right? The Tanakh. It represents the holy book of another religious tradition. It's also incorporated into a third religious tradition, right, with Islam. So we have... I believe in awareness of, all right, there are some other voices that might be speaking into this here, and I don't know how much ownership I can take of the text. It also sits on this weird convergence points of the past and the present, because the people of Israel still exist. They're still a nation. And so we read the story of right the ancient Israelites, but then we filter that through the 20th century, the Holocaust, everything that horrifically has happened in the past hundred years to that nation. We filter it through our modern political landscape. Israel is a political ally of the United States. How do these things then shape and change our interpretation? And I've come across individuals that want to shy away from dealing with the Old Testament because it's unclear sometimes how we can correctly move forward. And I can definitely appreciate that tension and that difficulty. But I think that, again, maybe like with the script makes us prone to turn off our logical brain and, and be more willing to just accept certain ideas because we feel like it'll be disrespectful or uncomfortable uh, to engage with some of these deep challenges from the Old Testament. Yeah, what a great point, Brian. And, and just that idea, right, of we are reading something that, like we said in series one, is written, uh, it's written not to us, but we do believe it's written for us. And so in one sense, we're, we're reading a text that was not ours first. Uh, but, in, and this is where I think we have to be honest as Christians and bold as Christians to say that the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible is an inheritance that we have as being co-heirs with Christ. Uh, it, and, and so that's something that we can't shy away from. We've got to accept that as a gift, uh, even as we know, and you said it just so beautifully, it is the religious text of other traditions as well. And yet, as we come to it, uh, we're going to come at it from a perspective, knowing and believing that Christ is the Messiah, knowing and believing that he is the fulfillment of the law and prophets. And at times, that might put us at odds, interpretively speaking, with, with some of our Jewish neighbors or Muslim neighbors. Uh, but that's part of what we believe is the beauty of the Old Testament is, in one sense, it creates this awkward convergence. But in another sense, it also can create some common ground that we have the opportunity to have conversations based upon a common text, at which point we dare not abandon that. We, we've been called to steward that well, even though it might be kind of awkward if a Jewish person says, well, I don't read Isaiah 53 that way, or, you know, uh, I mean, those kinds of conversations. Uh, but man, God has given this text to us. It's by the encouragement of the scriptures uh, that we come to know him and, and are able to continue to grow in Christ. So great point, Brian. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, so if we're looking at 
a third reason maybe why the Old Testament uh, attracts odd ideas. I, I came out with three. Tim, if you have any more to add, please do. But <laughs> I think the Old Testament being old, uh, right? We always tell our listeners to stay cool and stay old, uh, but it is old. It <laughs> represents a writing from a culture that at its closest point is two and a half cent, uh, millennia <laughs> old, mm-hmm. right? And much, much further than that if we go all the way back to creation. And because of that, we're dealing with a world that does not share many of the same assumptions that we do as post-enlightenment, right, Western thinkers. This mm-hmm. is a pre-enlightenment Eastern world. They have a different conception of how the universe is put together. They have different expectations uh, of their gods, Um Most of our listeners will be aware right now there's a war between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, The school I'm a part of actually put out a video series kind of talking about a little bit of that. And I got to contribute a video related to why does God command war? Because that seems very antithetical to our understanding of God. Why would God engage in warfare? But seen through the culture of the ancient Near East, right, the culture of Israel, It totally makes sense because gods are supposed to go with their people. The battlefield is not just a battlefield of nations. It's a battlefield of theology. It's a battlefield of pantheons. Mm -hmm. If Israel never could fight, why would anyone care what Yahweh has to say? He can't do anything, apparently. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's things like this, just different ways we uh, approach the text. Um, I'm thinking of the story of Bethel, right, Uh, and the Jacob's Ladder. Mm -hmm. Jacob is surprised to see God. We, if we're just looking at this through modern Christian eyes, don't get how crazy this is because we're used to the Holy Spirit being with us. We can approach God wherever we are. But Jacob's from a time where gods were thought to be landlocked to where their worshipers are. He is rightly surprised that God has now followed him out of his land. And that's a beautiful revelation of God's character of why God is different. But if we bring our kind of modern assumptions to the text, we're going to miss some of those things. Um, And so these are... I'm kind of walking through maybe some positive ways we can interpret scripture, but I think we can also use these negative or we can use our modern assumptions to incorrectly read the text as well. And so I see a lot of kind of myths or mistakes uh, arise when we take modern values, modern assumptions and begin laying them across the text. Uh, It won't come out with the correct theology and the correct readings that we would wish it would if we do that. Yeah, I, I think that's so true. And, and it's a reminder, isn't it, that when we come to Scripture, uh, Scripture is progressive revelation, and, and God continues to reveal himself to us over time, at which point we have to uh, have that proper balance of kind of art and science, where we don't just put down theological categories on the text, but rather we let the text shape our categories and our view of God. We'll have to put a link to that uh, video in the show notes, Brian. I'm, I'm excited to watch that. I haven't seen that yet. Um, but I, I think for me, if there's a, a fourth reason that I would add to the, the ones that you've given us, uh, it's this. Why does the Old Testament attract so many odd ideas? Well, I think it's because there are so many odd ideas in the Old Testament, right? <laughs> and and, and uh, yeah, very well put. Yeah. I like that. And so it's 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 kind of one of those things where there there are a lot of mysteries and there are a lot of texts like why are bears mauling these people or or why are, you know, why is an axe head floating and and why is someone coming back to life when they're thrown on the bones of Elisha, you know? I mean, it's it's like we read these things and and some of it is is so interesting interesting, but all of it is compelling. 
And so I think uh, because there are, are many things in the Old Testament that naturally intrigue us, uh, it makes a, a little bit more, again, susceptible to people coming along and adding other things that aren't in the text and, and really aren't necessary or even useful. Uh, but because the text includes so many kind of odd things, we're a little bit more prone to believe even more odd things, at which point, again, that's where we have to have uh, our eyes open. We've got to have our brains alert. We've got to have our, our spirits uh, discerning so that when we come to the text, we're treating it rightly because it is such a gift of God. It's a tool that God wants us to use in the proper way. And so that's what we're going to do, right? That's what series two is about, myths and mistakes. We're going to try and address some of these issues. We're going to try and answer some questions. We're going to try and, uh, you know, clear a pathway and, and help us to become the best readers of the Old Testament we can be, ultimately so that we can become the best disciples that we can be following our Lord. So, Brian, do you have anything else that you want to say before we sign off on uh, episode one? Well, Tim, I just wanted to harp on one of the things you said because I thought it was excellent. I want to encourage our listeners as we go through series two, don't neglect the role of the Holy Spirit in interpreting scripture. Yes. Tim and I are both academics, so we are very much all about using your brain, doing the research, putting in the hard work. But Tim, I hope it's okay. I'm going to speak for you because I think I know your heart here. (laughs) Neither of us are going to say, and that means you can ignore the Holy Spirit. Absolutely not. God illuminates his scripture to us, um, and God does not contradict himself. So a key thing uh, as we begin working through some of these myths is to make sure we are bringing in the Holy Spirit. We are attentive to his leading and direction as he helps us understand correctly his word. So uh, that's kind of going to be, I think, our encouragement as we go through this series. Be attuned to the Spirit. Be under his leading. As you come across articles, as you find YouTube videos like with an interesting idea don't turn off your brains right let's make sure we're engaging our critical thinking let's make sure our theological lenses are correctly applied so that we can rightly understand god's word because as paul tells us all scripture is profitable right and that means most especially the old testament and so this series it's my heart it's tim's heart that we help all of us better understand God's word so that it can be profitable, so that it can help us become the men and women God has created us to be. So I'm excited for the series. I'm excited to go through it with my really good friend and listeners, watchers. I hope you have a fun time with it as well. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dr. Brian. And, uh, and it's been fun, our listeners and now viewers as well. Uh, We're called to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that's what we're trying to do uh, through this project. Uh, So thank you for watching. Thank you for participating. And uh, our next episode is going to be the angry God of the Old Testament. So we're going to dive right into the deep end, and we hope you join us for that. But until next time, stay cool and stay old.